0: And welcome to the glacially musical podcast and YouTube extravaganza. I am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, scratching my nose, and I am joined by the man who's always ready to smoke you up, Kefi chichinchakas How are we doing today? See a star, dude. Oh God, I apologize for that. Uh, okay, I don't know. How are you doing today? All right. How are you doing, sir? I am tired. I uh, should. As everyone has heard me talking about a thousand times, I'm moving. So if I sent you a picture of half of my record collection missing, because that half has already been moved into the new house. So uh, for some reason, the Roger Waters Pink Floyd collection has not made it over yet.
1: It's going to be the last. It's going to go over in the last trip next to Nick in the seat.
0: It probably will. Uh, But... because. My actual moving date is just three days away. So oh. this is officially the last Glacier Musical Podcast to be recorded in the home I have lived in for the past 14 years. That's, yeah, that's heavy. That's very so heavy. Next week you will be seeing, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, it might actually be so terrible I can't film. But, or I will put a cloak over everything and make a sound booth and vocal booth and put a flashlight under my face. I'll figure something out. We'll get there. Maybe mm-hmm. some
1: candles. Did, you know. Did you ever make like a pillow or blanket for when you were a child? The
0: dining uh, room table chairs. Of course. So yeah. I might do that. We'll see how it goes. But uh, got a beer check for you this week. All um, right, beer check it up.
1: Founders oh, what's this? Brewing,
0: Four Giants IPA. It is a nine point two monster, <laughs> and it's in a pint. I actually bought this today because all my good beer has already been moved. So I had to buy beer. And my kid looked at me as we're at the store. She's like, really? And as I'm putting it in the fridge, my wife looks at me. Really? Yeah, really? I'm sorry. So cracking it open.
1: While Nick is pouring, I will take the opportunity to say... Glacially musical podcast, beer, metal, and swearing, and vinyl, and other things.
0: Oh, I forgot oh, that to say is a,
1: that. That is a nice pour. Oh, Perfectly one millimeter of foam over the rim. Have you had this before? Is this a new beer to you?
0: Or? It's, it's pretty new. I had one earlier today, and I don't remember it because oh, I've right. been working on moving all day. So all I remember is that I hurt a lot. <laughs> right.
1: I am not moving, but I moved my body the last two nights at shows. I am going to drink yet another uh, Fort Point Brewing KSL KSA beer. Um, this is arguably my favorite beer in San Francisco since moving here. And I'm going to have one. I have a six-pack, and
0: I'm going to drink this, guy. You do that. I got a backup <laughs> beer, just for the record. It is a Trader Joe's bosun. That's what I drank on the last podcast, I think uh it is a spectacular beer uh so yeah it really is good yeah i enjoyed it uh, i would get that again you got a vinyl tracker do you want me to go first you can go first but i, I got a that. long one all right well then we so, like to go you go first a couple of things happened this past week where some pre-orders came in and also i did some short out at the stores and i finally picked up a copy of High on Fire, DeVermis Mysterious. I know a lot of fans are not real, big, not real big on that one, but that was honestly my first High on Fire record. And the idea of a concept record about a conjoint twin of Jesus Christ who then becomes a quantum leap time traveler to save the world sung by a man whom you can't even understand one word by is awesome. Because that is exactly to me what stoner metal should be. They're trying to say this most epic thing, and you can't even understand what they're saying. So they they nailed that one. Uh, also,
1: I, I love Matt Bike.
0: Pick up of Blood" by Children of Bodom. Rest this in peace, Alexi. Oh yeah, this one is a this one's got a cool splatter.
1: Came in the proper? Uh, is that they come in that? Uh, no mylar no, or that's your mylar.
0: My mylar. Always, If they don't come in it, I always stick them in it. And that is something that everyone should do. Hi, Goose. I got a cat here by the records. This is not a good place for you, buddy. The cat is here. Then, eight years in the waiting for this one. It's been that long since this genius manifesto... Wait a minute. That's not the right word. Genius. I don't know. This genius has released a record, Steve Vai's latest, Involiate. Uh, He's not reinventing the wheel for Steve Vai music. If you like Steve Vai, you're going to love it. If you don't like Steve Vai, it sure as hell is not going to convince you. And the final record, another colored album, Black Diamond Heavies, All the Hell, Their Greatest Hits. Uh, Normally, I wouldn't have bought it, but half of the record is unreleased. Uh, easy money, take a ride with me, written by T model Ford. God rest him. And then there are a couple of tracks with uh, original member of Black Diamond Heavies, Mark Chop Holder, playing guitar, the one where he sings. So they're the only releases of the Black Diamond Heavies. Oh,
1: oh, I like this nice a tangerine, gorgeous. tangerine yeah. orange.
0: Yeah, nice orange color. And I will say this and I will check it probably on the next pod which hopefully we'll be able to do next week we'll see i have the entire week off for the move we'll be doing a lot of stuff but we my late father-in-law was a big music fan and he never really switched to speak of from vinyl and he had a pretty significant collection even after a bit of it quite a bit of it was stolen when he lived in arkansas Mm. but he still had quite a few and there were some records that we had been looking for we could not find them we could not find his his epic collection and yesterday after the estate sale was over my wife texts me get over here get over here I found it and I look at my phone and there's a picture of a Peter Frampton record and I'm like I don't really want to go over for that but she's like you need to get over here all right, all right, all right. Can I do this first? She's like, no, get over here now. I can't lift these boxes. It's three giant moving boxes full of records. I have done a precursory check on them. And there's some, hang on, sorry, goose down. He's up on the stereo. So I did a quick precursory check, and there are some gems and there's some thrift shop material. But it is definitely the collection of a man who stopped listening to new music in 1970. I mean, not the worst thing. I saw Thriller in there, though,
1: so you're wrong. But I, I did see Thriller. But let's let's face it, everybody had Thriller at a certain point
0: in the 80s. It's like having Dark Side of the Moon. You're not special if you had that.
1: No, I didn't have uh, it though. I'm glad you found it because we have had many conversations about the missing albums and and your late father-in-law and rest in peace and all that and the recent gr- grief.
0: <laughs> Trauma y'all have been going through, you know. My um, wife realized why we couldn't find it. He lost them. And he never was willing to admit that he didn't know where they were. They were no never. he was lost, lost in his house. Yes. Not lost, lost to antiquity. Correct. He lost them in his house. <clears throat> they were in the garage. Behind a, a wardrobe that was sold in the estate sale. So this box of records. You're lucky the box of records didn't get sold in the estate sale. Three boxes, but yes. You're lucky the, these boxes of records didn't get sold in the estate sale. That is how close it was to them being sold. And so my wife and I realized, because I asked him five, six years ago, will you lend me that Janis Joplin greatest hits you've got? He's like, I don't know. How do I know you're not going to ruin it? And I'm like, Bob, seriously. So and so I, I asked him, you know, why won't you ever lend me? He's like, you, you might ruin it, Nick. I, I don't know. What we realized was what he meant was, Nick, I know I have it, but I don't know where it is. And so my wife jokingly said, you know, my father loved you and he loved sharing with you. And with your love of vinyl, do you really think he wouldn't have busted some of these records out and you guys could have drank beer and listened to music? in the living room and i'm like yep that's exactly what it is he was too embarrassed to say that he didn't know where he had put them but we have we are so thrilled to have them we've got some doubles and we're going to take out the ones that we already owned off the shelf and replace them with his and yeah so that's my vinyl check for the week and i will show some photo i will show i'll hold some up next week cool yeah please we that actually should be a, maybe you know even a no. whole episode would yes. be a good idea we will do it we will do a whole
1: episode ne- the next chaser should just be like a deep dive into nick's late father-in-law's vinyl let's do the that. lost done. vinyl of blank oh, sorry God. i don't know his name done all right you're out buddy so vinyl a check sip. a lot of my pre-orders are coming in as we discussed previously now on the youtube version of this pod we are not really talking about stuff we don't have in hand i'm still waiting for my ghosts unbelievable is out of week, and i don't have i don't have them yet um but i did get this bad boy that i did pre-order this is the most recent pre-order thing that i made and probably my last for a while but i have stuff coming in so that's good this is the metal blade metal massacre vinyl for the 40th anniversary of metal blade they are re-releasing a bunch of stuff, but they re released and they re released Metal Massacre, which was the first compilation ever, the first thing on the label ever. Maybe even the idea of the comp presaged the idea of the label. This has the first ever recordings of Metallica with Dave Mustaine and Ron McGovney. No, um, it's uh, Lloyd Grant. Um, Isn't it? No, it's the Mustaine version is on here. technically. Did they
0: changed, wasn't it? It might Grant have changed. It?
1: I think Lloyd Grant is on the demo for No Life to Leather. Oh, okay. but he's not on the Metal Massacre version. This is from '82, so 40 years. Right. And so Lloyd Grant is on the '81 version, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Okay. The No Life to Leather, much shared. No Life to Leather uh, tape. This also features Steeler, Bitch, Malice, Rat in their very first recording. Sirith Ungul's first recording. Uh, Demon Flight, Pandemonium, two tracks from Malice actually. Black and Blue's first track featuring Tommy Thayer. Going to Kiss. Nick's least favorite person ever to have been in Kiss. Which says a lot considering how terrible certain people are. And Vinnie Vincent. Oh, speaking of Vinnie Vincent, I got a story. Hold your story. I will. This also comes with a beautiful commemorative Metal Blade 40th anniversary patch. And I will take out this vinyl because it's on ruby red vinyl. And I like the colors and the ruby reds and the swirlies. While you're doing that, I'm going to Google this.
0: I really thought that was Lloyd Grant.
1: Blood red is actually really beautiful looking. Uh, Nice contrast on my haunt shirt, by the way. Um, But yeah, a lot of stuff in the works, a lot of stuff in the mail. Still no email from Metallica. I have a really bad feeling, Chewbacca, that you're going to get this Metallica thing before me and we're not going to be able to fulfill our... Aha. Wish
0: fulfillment you're right you're right that what i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry i'm sorry no that's that's uh that's my point we we have a future oh, yeah, plan yeah. for those who haven't
1: listened to every episode and please feel free to go back listen rate reply uh we have a future plan nick and i have both submitted to the lords of metallica who we cannot go one podcast without mentioning and we're going to do their vinyl sub club for 2022 and listen and review to each release But Nick has gotten an email I have not gotten, so this makes me sus. I have not gotten a second email.
0: Mm. I have not gotten the first, though. (laughs) Well, the first email said, hoping to ship in March. As we record this, it is March 20th. Yikes. Now, I know there are 31 days, and there's still 11 possible days, but eh, I'm not feeling real good about this. But uh, they changed the recording of Hit the Lights between the pressings. Interesting. So on the very first one, it was Lloyd Grant. That was the very first version of it from 1981. Okay. So. I stand corrected. But on this vinyl
1: is the Mustaine Hit the Lights version and Metallica's face. And Metallica is very controlling about what comes out and what's released. Maybe they should be more controlling about what they put out in the past, but... I think this is a very cool thing for Metal Blade. Metal Blade is a hugely important label now and then. And I'm super glad to support I am hoping to get an interview with Brian Slagle for Ghost Cult Mag very soon.
0: Very cool. I would have preferred to have the Lloyd Grant version just because it's just such a neat little thing. And just a neat little rarity. We,
1: we can also talk about the very little differences between the Lloyd Grant version, the Mustaine version on the solo, and Kirk. There's no difference. There's no almost no difference.
0: I can remember the first time the I tone. heard the mechanics. So I have somewhere... No, I, I had. I no longer own. But I had Night of the Heads, which I bought for $30 in 1994 in a time when I made $5.22 an hour. Mm-hmm. so that is an entire day's that's actually more than a day's work because so i was working part-time so that was a day and a half of work before taxes and i that was what i bought and i remember it's got oh my god it's got the mechanics i can finally listen to the mechanics and holy because i'd never heard the megadeth version because i didn't have the money to buy that much stuff back then and <laughs> oh my god oh. One, the song is exactly the same, except for the lyrics aren't awful and the vocal melody is not awful. Um, The, the drum beat is a little more hoofy. It's a little. Drum hoofier. beat's better on the
1: final version from Metallica. And I'm going to say there's that middle section that alternately comes in on Kill 'Em All that is not on the early mechanics version, the middle the middle break. The middle sixteen. The this was the buh, second buh, version. Buh, buh, buh.
0: This is the second version of hit the um, the mechanics that I had. Okay. Not the first. So yeah, I don't know. I know there's Megadeth
1: stands where like mechanics destroys four horsemen. It doesn't. No. It doesn't. I love Megadeth. It doesn't. The no. lyrics are juvenile and bad. And, uh, and like, there's inspiring. like some scorpions they're aspiring to be juvenile, but not quite. Some there. scorpions nonsense lyrics about like how fixing a car is like tuning up a woman somehow. It's really lame and doesn't. It's not very. It's not holding
0: up well. we also years. point out that "Jump in the Fire" from the same demo is not about the Lord of the Dark Side, but uh, I'm not sure if it's getting with a chick or jerking the gherkin. I thought it was about getting the crabs. Is that what it's about? I have no idea. I mean, a, it very I love well the riff.
1: Be. I love the riff of "Jump in the Fire." We're not doing a Metallica episode. Today, Sorry. But... Yes,
0: correct. Let's move forward. It oh, is, I forgot to mention quick. how much I spent on these. Oh yes. For, uh, this is uh, Black Diamond Heavies was about twenty-two. Same with Steve I, twenty-two. Uh, children of Bodom, I uh, spent thirty-five. A little pricey, but you're not going to find that. I found that in a store, by the way. Um, if you love Alexi,
1: it's it's worth it.
0: Yeah, and I don't have any. And then High on Fire was also thirty bucks. So those two were a little pricier than I like to normally go, but whatever. This, this so Metal Blade
1: in conjunction with Metallica was really cool that Metallica helped support Metal Blade, a label they're not on. I have no association with them anymore and ended up not being on the label in the the long run, except for the, you know, except for the comp. And um, Metallica and Metal Blade collaboratively put these on sale. There's also, I think, an additional bundle and other things on sale from Metal Blade. So you could have bought this from metallica.com or metalblade.com. I chose to buy it from
0: metalblade.com. Same variant, same thing. I would that's probably how I would have done it. I, I did see that flowing around the other day and I went, oh, I believe, that's pretty sweet. I believe it was 25
1: plus shipping, which wasn't cheap. Uh, for some reason the shipping was a little inflated. I was disappointed. The cheap just I checked later. Much to my dismay. Of course, the shipping was cheaper with Metallica because they're Metallica and they can have a drop shipping rate that's low. But um, it, it came packaged immaculately, which I was really happy about. And um, yeah, man, I'm glad to support that label and, and get this thing. And again, just to remind listeners, the reason we name check the prices is, you know, listen, it's a tough time in the world and like, you know, we're not trying to money shame anybody or anything. It's a luxury to be able to buy these things, even if we feel like it's part of my life and I need this stuff. It's um, it's just to help, like, this is how much a new thing costs or this is how much an old, a used thing costs. And I think one of the things that gets left out in a lot of vinyl reviews and vinyl discussions is the relative cost for a new or used thing. So Nick and I are trying to incorporate this talk into our pods and jets. and i
0: i will also editorialize the price i paid on each one and you know i i've said before up to 20 bucks is no brainer that's when it gets to 30 dollars, gets questionable depending upon the album these two albums are hard to come by period so they got a little pricier right. the other two are brand new got them off amazon yes. and you know i also have a record in the mail that cost $15 shipped Mm -hmm. i have an english package coming shortly which is something i do in order to save a bunch of money so because if you buy an american if you buy a record from discogs from the uk it costs you $20 in shipping alone Mm -hmm. so my friend duncan is willing to be my landing pad i send him a link and i send him money he buys them and then when i get five he mails them over so I will have those in a couple of weeks to to vinyl check as well, and I'm going to be silly and give the price in pounds. Although I have to say the dollar lost a bit into the pound, so we are back to a buck fifty instead of a buck and a quarter. So cost a more than last time.
1: Interesting. Um. Yeah, man. So yeah, fun times. Um. Did you have another thing you wanted to discuss before we? No, jump into no, the topic? I had a
0: story, but I realized it's
1: less, well, so we're just. You down sure? Down. He sure, it's pointless. I like your stories.
0: All right, all right, all right. I am addicted to the kiss form, as everyone probably knows. Mm-hmm. I cannot stop. Part of it is tr- car crash, part of it is legitimate conversation, and it's not always about kiss. It you know, it weaves and goes r- around. But mm-hmm. the Vinnie Vincent Creatures Fest have you heard about this? Uh, not that's various. why it hasn't sold. That's why it has not sold the 850 tickets. Jesus. Uh, uh, at a, the Nashville airport hotel where it's being held also appearing ace Fraley and also appearing Peter
1: Chris oh is this that thing where Peter and ace are gonna appear together
0: yeah. maybe bri is also playing trickster Ooh. oh God uh, quiet riot uh, vixen I mean all right I mean that's not bottom shelf stuff though it's actually not that expensive it's 175 dollars. However, Vinnie Vincent has not put on a concert in over 30 years. Not counting his little parties where nobody's heard anything from it except for the people that paid $500 to go listen to him play and drink Aldi's wine and eat salad. Uh, Google Rick Rockin' and listen to him talk about the salad, if you dare. If you dare. So some salad. He loved that salad. I mean, he loved it. So, in the conversation, somebody posted Vinnie Vincent Invasion, Nukem. The song is Newcomb from his unreleased album, Guitars from Hell. The, it sounded like Steve Vai playing after being, in, being put into a methamphetamine-induced coma and <laughs> fronted by Tom Kiefer of Cinderella after sucking on helium and being kicked in the nuts. Yikes. If you can get to one minute of that track, kudos. Jeez. Okay. Now the fun, the nice thing. I want to give a shout out to Rob, the YouTube channel Rob Talks Beer. I did an episode with him in the past, and it is now he's gotten such a response that he's got so many. And my episode premiered on Friday, the eighteenth. So. Oh, I didn't know about this. Yeah. Uh, We spent an hour talking about music, this podcast, and of course beer. I will link that in the description because that, I'm going to go listen right after this. Okay. I recommend maybe, okay, yeah, totally. I totally recommend it. I'm definitely personable. But what are we here for today?
1: We're continuing our series on Thin Lizzy. Lizzy,
0: Lizzy, Lizzy, Lizzy. I was going to listen to Alive and Dangerous because it's all I've got. Thin Lizzy on vinyl. Mm, and I just later. Later not have the time
1: yeah yeah later on it's not it's not really really relevant now i wasn't sure that's the, why i didn't matter Yeah, it's, it's later on um so to recap the lizzie journey we did a sort of very broad strokes history of the band at the early days nick has read a book i have seen the recent documentary we talked briefly about the album vagabonds of the western world we talked about the single release of Whiskey in the Jar. It was just St. Patrick's Day. Whiskey in the Jar is an everyday thing for most people. It is a Celtic folk song that then Lizzy did their own rockin' version of that is very at well. These,
0: at the St. Louis, Louis Blue St. Patrick's Day game, they played Whiskey in the Jar on the PA by Metallica. Yeah, of course, and Metallica. Metallica released their live version of it on, on
1: Thursday for St. Patty's, that they played in Slane Castle in Ireland on St. Uh, at a concert before the in the before times, as we like to call them, and then we did a deep, in-depth track by track discussion of the album Nightlife, which is the first album that really encapsulates the Thin Lizzy sound as we know it. They're just finding their way; they're not a hundred percent there yet, but the building blocks are now in place. Such they, a good. They established their sound. It's a very well written record. It's a high B tier record for sure. Um, I know we don't talk about tiers in terms of rankings, but like if we should probably and like if I think we do we more than
0: you more than you realize.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like we we don't like necessarily. Like I said, what we should probably be doing is at the end of these runs of bands, we should rank the tiers. We did it for Robert because Robert did it himself with the quality of the records.
0: Oh, Ooh, but uh, Robert wasn't Grant, you, what, that was not hard.
1: No, it's not hard to do it all. This will be a little harder. Um, but so they they come right, they come, they tour a little bit in Europe. They come right back. And again, this is the 70s where bands make at least one record a year, if not two. And they come right back less than a year later with Fightin'. And um, this is now the full-fledged, they had a whole record with Scott Gorham and Brian Robertson on guitar. They got that twin harmony guitar thing. The, you know, Phil is deeply into his shit at this point as a writer and a singer and a storyteller. And Downey kills it. So this is just their next step up. And um, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good document of where they were they go 10 full songs in 37 minutes there's also a bonus track you may or may not have heard called half castle we can talk about it at the
0: end um and at this yeah. time 37 minutes is pushing the length a little bit for most bands yeah for a record yeah for sure um let's would do 40 pink floyd would do 45 i don't kiss remember. was at 30 Aerosmith was in there was in the 30s yes yeah. every every kiss record was about 32 minutes 28 to 32 minutes yeah. I don't 35 recall. is the oh no 35 is the longest but that's the first one after they added kissing time what was the length of a, of an eight track do you remember uh, Same, say I think 48 I think they could get 12 okay. 12, 12 yeah 12. okay get it because yeah. on the animals on the animals eight track there is a solo that is only on is it pigs on the wing? I think it's pigs on the wing because there there was a bit of extra length so snowy white plays a solo on the Pink Floyd animals eight track. I would love to hear it. I'm not going to YouTube it so don't even suggest it. But since I don't have an eight track player or the eight track I'll never hear it. There you go. I could just YouTube it.
1: You could just YouTube it. All right. Probably will. So I don't know if you
0: have any thoughts before we run down the tracks. Um, I One of the things I noticed, uh, and I, I don't know if what I'm about to say is true. I don't know a whole lot about uh, Steve Harris and all that kind of business. But there was... When people... It's going to take a long time for me to make this point, and I apologize. I think... When when I think of that Thin Lizzy twin guitar sound, I think of that rolling harmony. And that was something that was all over this record. But there was more than that. There was a lot of the Iron Maiden style twin guitar harmonies, where it's just, just a, a simpler, less hooky melody, which we, we hear a lot in the classic days of Iron Maiden. And then there was also a lot of great bass playing by Phil Lynott, which makes me wonder if this was something that really inspired Steve Harris and the Iron Maiden sound. Had to, he is a huge thin Lizzie fan.
1: And oh, loves, there we go. I mean, clearly, you know, plays a bit like Phil. Um Phil would alternate between a pick and finger style. Obviously Steve is almost exclusively finger style, but um, the other guy that uh, Steve t- tends to, mention is chris squire of yes who was not a finger style player except on rare occasions but you know chris squire of yes the rest in peace inspired legions of bass players with his incredible bass style and sound
0: the 70s his, was the decade where bass players became members of the band rather than employees
1: rather than the support guys right that is a you made a very good point this is also their first album that is a commercial success on the charts in the uk still not a thing in the rest of the world believe it's 60 on the uk 60 which you know it's better than zero and
0: uh, if you hit sixty on the charts, that means you're selling records.
1: yeah, you're selling records and and they had been in trouble by the way, they're on the same record label as Black Sabbath vertigo and they had been in some trouble because I think this is their fourth studio record and or or their fifth studio record yeah, exactly. and like the label was waiting yeah. for them to kind of like, have a huge hit record they only had a huge hit single up to this point not a huge hit record and so i think the label was starting to get a little
0: nervous like it's not going to happen and this is you know we've mentioned this before but this is definitely the time when record labels were far more willing to wait it out believing that what they saw in you would come to pass and everyone would see it it's not like you know modern days where well, hit a big or bye, and the and we'll and we'll bill you. We'll bill you yeah, for the record. So that's this is also the same time that Rush was about to explode. After Rush had done uh, three or four records, and they're about to. This is when I, I feel like at this moment there's a big changing of the guard in in rock music. You have Led Zeppelin who are now slowing down. You have Black Sabbath who are slowing down. You don't really have that many 60s bands really crushing it at this point. Eric Clapton is going full nut crazy burgers on stage. So a changing of the guard is in order. You have Kiss coming in. You have Aerosmith breaking. So you have this new crop of bands that now we look back on and love. Pink Floyd is breaking at this point in time Zeppelin is at the height. If there's a peak
1: for Zeppelin, it is right now so so house of the holy physical graffiti arrows just going up 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 and there's no slowing down that train uh deep purple is killing oh, there was it slowing down third that train fourth. it was called in through the it was called out uh, presence that's later and like let's not you know I'm that's sorry. two years later and be nice um I'm, nice. I'm salty nice and yes deep purple at this point is on their third lineup but still good mm-hmm. somehow um, so yeah, there's, this is the height of, oh, and
0: rainbow's about to break.
1: Rainbow is doing things at this point. Rainbow yeah. So basically
0: or, yeah. we're looking at an era of the changing of the guard. The, the seventies came probably five years late. You said that last episode also. So I, uh, oh. last
1: proper episode. So I, you know, I give that to you.
0: So yes, it's, and there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of new things happening. In the 60s and early 70s, twin guitar bands weren't really a thing, so it, it's technical difficulties. Thank you for T- standing
1: Today by. is like Murphy's Law Day at my house. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, you didn't have my day yesterday, so.
0: I know. Including my steak not being delivered, but that's besides the point. What? Yeah, a long... This is this a cooked steak or, or a steak order? No, I, 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 we order steak from Grubhub. Didn't happen. They, they decided from, your not place, bring it. from a
1: place you like or a different place? Oh, a
0: place I love. Oh, they, okay. they decided not to bring it. And so I called them and they're like, we'll give you a refund. I'm like, I need my steak. I've been working all day. I'm starving. I've had a bad. They're like, no, here's a refund. Oh, here's a coupon code you can use to order a different steak. So I go to order a different steak and I can't use the coupon code because it's not enough. The guy didn't tell me that there was a minimum. So I'm angry. Anyway, also my Ikea bed that I bought for my daughter broke while I was building it. So I went to Ikea to get a, to get the piece replaced. They told me on the phone, oh, yeah, they've got it. Don't worry. It's fine. I sat there for an hour, hour and a half. They, they don't have it. No. no so it's being mailed to me. And <sighs> I'll get Sweden. it two days after the, <laughs> the move. S- the Swedish chef is mailing it to you. So this thing should have been put together yesterday. Sleep on the couch, kid. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, long story. So, yeah. So the 70, 75, it's, it's a happening time. Should also point out that's the year I was born probably a coincidence but maybe not maybe not maybe not but that's all I've got for for this era yeah. this album and all that kind of business yeah. so yeah um you know
1: and recorded at the famed olympic studios in london home to everybody home to every great record you have ever loved except the couple that were at abbey road or you know some other place um headley Grange so let's are, are we a row Britannia Rowe are we ready to do the track yes, by track? Yes
0: I am ready I apologize I will I do go on <clears throat> No we all do Um oh I'm sorry I'm sorry you asked if I had anything else to say and I said yes and I said it one more thing I have sure. never heard any of these songs before today
1: Okay Um I'm a knowledge. little su- a little surprised by at least two of them that are semi well semi well known um but oh, not a problem. This Here is in the still, Midwest,
0: Finn Lizzy is not. This is,
1: right. Well, this is this is my uh, my argument, my theorem to start this series is that in America especially, but mostly, people know the greatest hits of, of this band and really don't know the albums and really don't know the deep cuts. And my hope is to foster a love and appreciation of this band much deeper than the hits. And uh, this record doesn't really have the hits that the future ones have. But coming off a very strong record with Nightlife, coming off a pretty decent record with Vagabonds, coming off that number one single or top 10 single of Whiskey in the Jar that has been burned into our brains for a variety of reasons. They come out with this, their fifth record fighting in 1975, five records in four years. And um, they start the record off with with an interesting cover, a little bit of a surprise to me. To start the record with a cover for such a band well known for writing their own material. Um, granted you can make a case that Whiskey in a Jar is a cover, because it is a cover of a folk that, song.
0: That's like a uh, that's a like reimagining. A blues, that's a blues band doing a cover. Kind yeah. of thing. You know well, how yeah, many so. people how many people have done Stones in My Passway or Dust My Broom or I'm a man. I mean, everybody's done those songs, and right. everybody does them a little bit differently. And they, everybody makes them their own.
1: "I'm a Man" has like the easiest but most fun bass part of all time. That be, ne, 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 be, the
0: um, guitar part is one note. It's one yeah. string. Pedal. De, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> it's like when, when people say, "What songs can you play?" Right. "Manage Boy."
1: Yeah. So the album begins with a cover of Bob Seger's "Rosalie." which in and of itself is not a well-known song, but a song that Phil Lennett loved. Uh, the band's first American tour happened right before this album. So they got one full American tour, one of their few American tours, by the way. They did not tour America, which is why the band did not become bigger here, which is one of the problems with them. Um, but they opened for Bob Seger and the Silver ah. Bullet Band, which is why they picked this song. It was kind of a tribute to how Bob treated them. and in a good way and uh, forged a friendship. I think this is also about the time that Phil meets Huey Lewis for his band Clover. And uh, I don't know if you know that story that Phil and Huey Lewis were like Betty best buddies to the end. I do not know that. Oh, okay. Um, it was definitely featured in the movie. Maybe not in the book. Uh, Huey Lewis's pre Huey Lewis and the news band Clover was kind of a, American Thin Lizzy, if you will. That's what they were going for. Um, and and Huey had some some confidence problems, and Phil coached him and helped him get there. And uh, and and Huey was like, "Well, I can just be a backup singer and a harmonica player." And Phil was like, "No, mate, you can really sing. You should. Your voice is incredible. You should be a front
0: man of your own band."
1: And and one of my father-in-law's
0: favorites was Huey Lewis and the News, I might add. And I found a copy of a record in that It box. has
1: never been hip to be square, but that is a killer album.
0: There, I'm sorry. For the next probably six months, I'm
1: going to be gonna like my father-in-law.
0: Yeah, it's fine. You do I'm that. I'm going to throw out. Oh, yeah, that record was in, was in the boxes. So.
1: It's all good. You do that. As you will. So, Rosalie, good cover, good song. Not good. sure if you
0: have any strong feelings
1: about it, but very good song, very good cover.
0: I, I thought it was a great way to start it off. I didn't even know it was, I didn't even notice it was a cover. They made this song sound like Thin Lizzy. And one of the things I've always said, my perfect cover ever is "After Forever" by Biohazard for the Nativity in Black soundtrack. Because when you listen to that song, you I, when I listen to that song, I'm going to stop saying you because I'm not going to assume what you do in the shadows. When I listen to that song, I hear both Black Sabbath and Biohazard, which is great. Like um, the Pantera cover for that album that didn't make it, uh, Planet Caravan. I don't hear Pantera. Yeah, I understand so. that. Um, and on this one, this one, I don't hear Bob Seger at all. I hear Thin Lizzy.
1: Right, and I know Thin Lizzy fans who don't like this song or cover and think it's a throwaway track on this record and wondering why it was the first song. But at the same time... Because they are wrong. I mean, I don't want to say anybody's wrong, but in the context of this whole album, it's very up-tempo. So like the last Lizzy record had a little more up-tempo stuff than this record. So I feel like the reason this ended up the first song is it's the most up-tempo, fast-paced song on the record. There's a lot more mid-tempo. They got very soulful here. And they got very, he's very, Phil is very into his storytelling here. Um, On the second track, for those who love to live, beautiful song, great lyrics. This is one of the, interestingly enough, there are very few songs on the whole Thin Lizzy catalog that are solo compositions of someone other than Phil Linett. And so, this is an album that features a lot of contributions from the rest of the band, not just guitar leads or something, where he actually let them bring in a song and they used it. I don't know if it, was, it wasn't was necessarily a dry time. This is not yet when Phil's having major problems with substances. That comes later. But Always Brian, Brian Downey, the drummer, and Phil co wrote this. It's a beautiful song. Um, you know, uh, it's heavy emotionally. And that's what I love about this one.
0: This whole this whole record. Now, nightlife. I-, I described that last week as nascent Thin Lizzy. It was there, but it wasn't quite there. It was still growing. This is the first record where we have Thin Lizzy as we know them. It's but it's also far more melancholy all the way through than I think most people think of when they think of Thin Lizzy. When when I think of Thin Lizzy, I'm going to say, mm. I, I did it again. Yeah, then. When I no, think it's Thin fine. Lizzy, I think of happier, drinking, party time songs like The Braves right. Are Back in Town right? and Jailbreak, where obviously that is a fantastical story. It's it's nothing. I don't, I'm pretty sure that Phil Lynott did not uh, orchestrate a jailbreak. Pretty sure. Don't know for sure. However, if you think about the storytelling in that particular song, I'm just going to foreshadow a little bit. It's not good. You don't want to be here tonight. Well, how would he know if he's orchestrating the jailbreak? Wouldn't he be inside? It's just It doesn't work. Don't overthink it. So I, It's rock and roll. I, I will always overthink everything to the point where I'm pedantic. And people okay. will tell me I'm pedantic. Sorry.
1: I get it. And it is a, a little... Uh, the oh, album, nice. in general, is a little downbeat compared to the last one and the next one. However... I think there's a lot of depth here. Agree. Very it, it's writing. A very
0: deep record. And this this song in particular was the first time we heard those classic Thin Lizzy leads.
1: They're all the way through. They're part all of the. the so, they're part of the they're part of the verses they're part of the flourishes they're part of the bridges they're part of the solos they're part of every outro has that (sectionelles) like they're like call and response harmony twin harmonizing all the things you imagine the hallmarks of the lizzie sound are now fully in place Downey is an again i'll say it again a very underrated drummer really the king of the shuffle he's got the that full eight bar shuffle down and uh
0: when they're not shuffling along, he's just very R blues. I, I don't know that we have to say anyone necessarily, Because I was going to say, well, Phil Lynott is underrated as well. But that's the point of this series, is yeah, so a little too underrated for me. I think I, I completely agree, and that's kind of the thing. You know, the as we've mentioned before, the Department of Mental Antiquities, the whole thing started by trying to find these lost gems. But man, you're sifting for gold when you're doing that stuff every. That's yeah, true.
1: Um ha. Suicide is the third tune. This is actually a semi well-known tune because it's been covered a lot. Um it's the longest song on here. It's a solo Phil composition. And uh, you know, there's not too much to be said about the lyrics. Suicide. It's talking about personal trials and travails. Phil has been alluding to this stuff for a long time. Depression, drugs, alcohol, sadness, rinse, repeat. Uh, have, and have other. Have you t- ever
0: seen Oh God. Now I don't remember the name of the damn movie. It was uh Jason Lee and David Schwimmer. Crap. Well, I can't remember the name of the movie now, but there's a there Jason Lee plays a writer who's writing about his, his breakup. And one of the people he, he meets, a younger a younger girl who plays the prosecutor in Something About Pam, talked to me about that off air. Oh my god. Anyway, um, it's about a murder in in, in Troy, Missouri. But okay. off air, I can't talk about this stuff. On anyway, All right. she says the line, I'm really into stories about heartbreak. And this song, and I, I have really been into very depressing stuff for a very long time. Part of it was, oh, I'm so deep and misunderstood. No, I, it just makes me feel better. It's like listening to the blues. It ain't about making you feel better. It's about making people feel bad. But these kinds of songs help me feel better on a daily basis. And the emotional depth, the emotional range of the vocal performance on this song, phenomenal. Might be my favorite vocal of his I've ever heard.
1: He is incredible. His voice, what he's able to do with his voice is unbelievable sometimes. And I know that this is, you got to like put in the context that he is not a Robert Plant He is not a David Coverdale. He is not an Ozzy. He is not a John Anderson of yes, he is not trying to do anybody else but himself. It's very rare and unique at this age and stage. Cause even Rush, who I love, started out copying other bands, like really badly actually. They have nothing against John Rutsey and their first Rush record and even the first two Rush records. They really didn't have their own sound for a minute.
0: And there's a couple of classics on that debut record, but let's call a thing what it is. Do you really want to hear about Getty Lee singing about being in the mood? I don't No, no.
1: but no. I I'm
0: just saying like, for, I don't even know this, if they do that, this, that in Canada for
1: this guy politely, very politely. May I <laughs> please? Anyway, may I, I think feel. Yeah. Um, how would you feel about possibly potentially maybe anyway? I I I really think you have to like look at this age. This is the fifth album in 4 years for a band and this guy's got his own identifiable style and sound. Obviously he's influenced by a lot of other things everybody else is too, but his his ability to convey a line a line he wrote full of emotion um and make you feel what he's feeling is really unique and I really mean that. I don't just throw that around. So I, again this is one of the better tracks on the record. Maybe the best track on the record actually. Also um, at this
0: point he's 26.
1: Yeah. He's been through a lot of shit though.
0: Yeah, but I mean I was I mean at 26 I didn't know shit and I went through yeah. I mean I went through some stuff but Yeah. Not going to I'm not going to try to go tit for tat with the dead guy. Yeah, yeah. Whom I love at... deeply, don't promise. Yeah, of course.
1: Uh the next track is Wild One, another good another a little more sunny You know, like, this whole album is really a collection of stories about just kind of scamps and 'er ne'er-do-wells and, you know, hell childs and young youth gone wild and all this stuff. And Wild One is, like, I feel like Wild One is a song he's singing, but it's about somebody talking to him. He's talking about himself, potentially. He's talking about his bandmates. He's talking about somebody, his mother, his girl, some society, the cops. Hey, man, come back to the fold and calm down a little bit. You're out there. And and
0: that's my take on this one. To me, it, it's, it kind of feels to me like he's singing about what he wants to be. He's singing okay. about himself after he's gone away and come back. Aspirational. Interesting. Just, I, I'm as most people know i don't pay that much attention to lyric lyrics in general it's just not not my focal point ever it's rare um, it's rarely my focal point in music so i go based on I, i go based on tone and timbre about what the message is and you know he was singing along or maybe he's singing to his future self Go on, you wild one some those were the lyrics, something along those lines, and it was him. it was was it happier than suicide? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the it's
1: it's middle middle of the record's a little more upbeat compared to the rest of it,
0: but it was, uh, it was still a very wistful song, which yeah I don't associate wistful within with Lizzie or Phil lineup and. That makes me. That makes me think that he is. He's either forgiving himself, hoping that that's who he becomes. It, it. It. It feels like a foreshadowing, kind of a song, a personal foreshadowing, to my in myself, to me.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then the fightin', The title track closes side one. Uh, a little more rockin', A little more upbeat. And a little more of the Lizzie that most people, radio Lizzie fans know, which is the sort of triumph over adversity. We're all a gang. Put your hand in the circle and go, whoa, Jablonski. Pat Jablonski
0: or a different Jablonski?
1: um, Just whoa, Jablonski from the married with children Jablonskis.
0: Oh, uh, Pat Um, Jablonski played hockey, played goalie for the Blues. Uh, I did not know this. As a rookie in his first game, he stopped a penalty shot. That's great. What's amazing is that there was a penalty shot called in 1992. Yeah, really? But uh, I actually started watching Married with Children again recently and went, mm, it's going to take me too long for this to get so did.
1: We it. just passed the 30th anniversary of the, apropos of Nothing Thin Lizzy, we just passed the 30th anniversary of the Anthrax episode on, on Married with Children. Is C4. that the one where Kelly was in the video? they they kelly and bud win a contest to have anthrax party at their house (sighs) and anthra and then there's the parents go away to florida for like sort of a timeshare rental thing that's going to be their second honeymoon but they they end up being like sold on the timeshare the whole time and they never get to do it and even though al is ready to do it with with uh Peg. Anyway, and then uh, Anthrax eats like a weird mystery pack of food. I have from- a vague they get Delusionally concern. high, and they play In My World, Break the House Down, and it's, it, I don't know, it's insane. But I would love to get snowed in with Anthrax, but they might not.
0: We're probably uh, going to watch that later tonight, that episode. Yeah. Well, it, just it's, before we move it's on Hulu. forward, We know we're not a political podcast, but I want to point this out in 1980. 19- 92, 1990? This was a a television show about a single income family, two children. Al Bundy was uneducated and was a commissioned shoe salesman, and none of us ever questioned how he could pay for the house.
1: Moving I was assuming they had inherited that house from a dead family member, like his mom, or Ooh. that's just well, I'm just saying, like how else do people have homes back then?
0: Ah, um, back then, you could have back then a in 1993, the average price of an American home was only $135,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, anyway, then Lizzie. Then Lizzie, sorry, sorry. Side two of uh, fighting. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't talk about fight. Uh, real yeah, quick, did, did you want to? Fighting my way back. The, the, the big thing about this one is you're absolutely right. It is far more of the Thin Lizzie hit machine. That we're gonna get on the next couple records. This is it's it's kind of like a precursor to to the boys are back in town. And very fair. It's not a bad that's not a bad thing. If you write a song, it's good, it's not quite there, write it again. That's it. Uh, if Metallica, if uh, you write a song, it's great. And you did it amazingly <clears throat> amazingly do it well. ten more times. Do it ten more times, because why not? Iron
1: Maiden, do it ten more times. Yeah, I I've um, heard Virtual
0: Eleven too yeah no problem, so yeah
1: side two opens up with King's Vengeance, which is a Scott Gorham partial composition and uh another fantastical song, also not too dour um you know middle middle length, four minutes and change, and uh again, pretty rocking.
0: what I really liked about this one is now we are getting more of the Thin Lizzy metaphorical mythological excuse me it's more more the Thin Lizzy mythological stuff you know Whiskey in the Jar was historic was was historically allegorical I am not trying to rhyme polysyllabic words but here we are and then you have Emerald which is telling the story of an amazing battle going for a gem which I don't know that I would Send an entire army against another army for one fucking ring, but here we are. So it was nice to nice to get into that. So it again, it speaks to where we've got now got the full Lizzie, as it were. Everything that you know about thin Lizzie is here, even maybe if you haven't heard many of these songs.
1: Right on. Most average fans will not have heard these deep cuts on side two at all.
0: Uh this again so Suicide is, is Suicide
1: cat- is very well, yeah, suicide cat- is well covered. Rosalie was on the greatest hits and is, you know, a Seager song. It was a single. Uh mm-hmm. Fighting is the title track, so you know it's been played sometimes on the radio, uh rock radio. Or the Spotify. rest of these songs are fairly unknown, but I think they're pretty killer. Uh so King's Vengeance. So
0: what, seven out of ten?
1: Well, I mean less than that, but um No, I King's mean Venge-
0: are seven out of ten are deep.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, King's Vengeance, pretty good. Spirit Slips Away is a little more back-down tempo. And, uh, again, a solo-fill composition. Another one that just seems to be full of sads. But, um, you know, that wistful sads you talked about earlier.
0: And I I like that. I like... One of the things that in Back of My Days as a music critic, when I would really try to delve deep into music and, and really get into something, is... I have noticed, like many thousands before me, that where you are from leaves an indelible impact on what you write. There is a band, uh, Circle of Salt, from Northern Quebec. Their their music sounds cold. There is uh, another band out of Winnipeg whose name I don't remember. You know their the title track. What the title of the album was. You know, the, the, the penetrating cold. the And it, you could hear the cold in their music. And in those areas of North America, you and I could never rationalize the chill they have in the air all the time and how cold it gets. <clears throat> Phil is living in Dublin. His family, his nuclear family lives in England. So there's a lot of disconnect and a lot of hopefulness there that, you know, this will be a family because that's, I'm ascribing a little bit of my personal experience to Phil Lina. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I did not meet my father until I was 11 or 12 years old. And there's a lot of wistfulness about the absentee father Mm. in my, in my, in my experience. I had a lot of that, so and then couple that with the Irish Civil War, which you know, there's a lot going on, and so a lot of what he sings about is going to be dour. It's, but it's also going to be hopeful. You're, you're going to get basically three emotions out of this man, naturally speaking, without him trying. Mm. Hopeful, dour, and depressed. All right, then. <laughs> Jeez. Um, sorry.
1: No, it's a I'm lot. Not, not sorry. I understood. The next track is Silver Dollar and is a solo Brian Robertson composition. And again, Brian was integral, coming into the band, taking up the second guitar fully, and Brian would go on to like Motorhead, and he's quite an accomplished songwriter by himself. He already was when he came into the band. This is a very good song. Uh, Pretty rockin'. Harmony guitar again. Um... You know, not not too much else. I do find that maybe the songs that are written or co-written don't have the full-fledgedness they don't that have the Phil the songs have. Oh. They don't have the panache, and this whole record is maybe like a muted panache, and like the panache is not quite there. They were holding it back, maybe after the last one when they let it fly finally. And I feel like this one is like let's be siri- a little more serious on this one and not wild. And the next one is wild, but this is a pretty good song.
0: The thing about this. This whole album, and I'll, I'll get to this song in a minute and my confusion about one thing, but this whole album never sounds like a hit fish to me. Whereas the previous record sounded like a lot of hit fishing, like we have got to do something. This felt like a lot like Rush's 2112. See what I did with there with, when I mentioned Rush earlier? I see okay. what you did there. When Rush recorded 2112, the label told them, okay, boys, hit it out of the park or uh, go ahead and hang them up. So what did they do? They did exactly the one thing they always wanted to do. And they came out with 2112, a concept side about high priests that outlawed rock and roll music. 22 minutes. All right. Okay. You Whatever. That is the song that Apparently, everybody had been waiting to hear because it was a major hit. And it feels like at this point in time, Thin Lizzy just went, we're just going to be us. We're there, there was a lot of partying and, you know, all that kind of goofy early 70s rock on the previous record on Nightlife. That's not here. And that tone change when a band, you typically when, when bands make that tone change, They're either very successful or very not successful. But when you are successful doing it, you have achieved something wonderful. And that is why this record, I think, is why we know Thin Lizzy today, even if it's just The Greatest Hits, because they changed and became them. They were willing to be themselves in front of everyone. And for art, for any kind of art, whether it's acting, whether it's painting, whether it's music, whatever it is, being yourself is what's going to sell you more than anything else. Mm, As for the song, I'm confused why anybody else in the world sings about dollars.
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's not a a strictly lyric, you know, it's not a, it's a metaphor. Let me Um, have my giggle. You can have your giggle. Uh, By the way, by the way, Silver Dollar uh, features Ian McLaughlin from the faces who is also plays piano on Rosalie plays piano here and Roger Chapman from family and not very well-known band in America, but like a hugely influential rock band in Britain also sang backing vocals on Rosalie. So once again, they get some guests
0: in to help. Is there anybody from the faces who didn't become a major success later? Probably Ian <laughs> <laughs> Uh Whoops. No, I don't
1: know. Um, members of the faces yeah like 3 of the 4 guys 3 of the 6 guys are Rod Stewart names. Ronnie Lane and and Ronnie Wood so And Jeff Beck Wasn't Jeff
0: I'm, Beck in the Faces?
1: Not officially. Okay. Not, not officially. Might have played a uh, guest track. Or, do, and then, or uh, did Jeff
0: Beck just have all the yeah. Faces later. And
1: then, and then Kenny Jones is he not like in the Who, right? Kenny Jones was the drummer of the Who. So like also pretty fit, fa- you know, replace Keith Moon here. So apparently
0: back. the the way to making it is joining the Faces? It if was you join the Faces. You're gonna oh. make it. Oh, they also had Bill Wyman.
1: They also had Andy Fairweather Low. Glenn Matlock was briefly in the band in the more later years. so that's Holy crap! Just some interesting members. So of the, the Faces band. is the, you know, like the Yardbirds of the '60s. Yeah, kind of the Yardbirds. Um, wow. Mick Hucknall okay, sang with, with them. With that one. Uh, UB40. Uh, oh, really? Simply Red. I'm sorry. Not UB40. Oh. Simply Red. Simply Red, uh, UB40. Same band. Kind of. Oops. Anywho. Said it. My bad. Okay. Uh, but anyway. Okay. <laughs> Freedom Song. Next to last track on the record. Gorham and Linet composition. This is wow. probably.
0: wonder what this is about.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty. Okay, so this is the one that doesn't really jump out at me strong, strongly, but it's solid. It's not terrible. It's just not good or it's not it, great. This is.
0: I, I apologize for the pause. I'm trying to think how to phrase this. This is probably as close as they ever got to hit fishing. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Point. On this record. Yeah, on this record. I mean, that's not, not unfair. Um, it, 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 it sounds like a semi-insincere we're for the cause.
1: I don't know. I think Phil was a very political guy. There's a lot of political things that run through Lizzie songs. And remember what a complicated time this was in the UK for Ireland, Northern right. Ireland.
0: Right, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm also Brady. looking back at this 50 years later. Yeah, for sure with very different uh, eyes, and I can only, I, I know that I'm trying to give the context, I'm trying to know the context, but I will never know the context there, you know, it's like when I was the only white, only white boy in class, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I know what it's like the other way around. Interesting. Um, I went to inner city schools in St. Louis for here and there. I Understood. I went to fourteen different schools before fourth grade. I'm sorry, seventh grade before seventh grade. Dang. Yeah. Um I've had so, a lot. <laughs> right.
1: So la- last song on the record, Ballad of a Hard Man, Solo Gorem composition and lyrics. Pretty good song. Good way to end the album. Strong Very ending. Rocking solos, harmonies, fill great vocals and bass line. Very good song. Um Good strong end bookend to the whole album.
0: Definitely agree with everything you just said there. And wanted to go back a little bit to the the Freedom Song. I actually skipped the last verse. I just remembered that I went, I'm done with this. So, (laughs) but this one I thought was a great end to this record. And it was, it's a good, you know, there's two schools of thought. Do you close it or do you leave them wanting more? When it comes to a record, I think you should always close it down. And and I, I think a great, you know, you, you start it and then you got to finish it. And I, I love this finish.
1: Um, two other things of note here is to, for this record, Phil produced this whole record himself. So this is the first thing he ever produced by himself with No Oversight, which I think is interesting for a band still... Had not yet had like a major hit record, but obviously the label and or management believed in him enough to hey save the money or pay yourself double and whatever they did back then and I um would,
0: I would guess that it is probably along the lines of we're going to get rid of you if it's not a hit anyway, so
1: you do you right if I have to be in in control of my destiny, I want to produce it my way
0: right i would and that's what i would i mean you know the best players want the ball, yeah, and then um hog or tugboat, and then saw that tour. Uh, good, yeah, Mike Watt. Wow. Um, the Featuring thing... Foo Fighters and yes. Eddie Vedder's wife's band.
1: Which yeah, sucked. Hovercraft.
0: Oh, his God. ex-wife's band. He has a different one. I don't. Now. I don't. I don't. Look, okay, okay. You're what are you? My wife now. <laughs> you know what she says? Here's the crap she says to me all the time. Do you know who Patty Griffin is dating? No. Robert Plant. Okay, I hope they're happy. Can they play Love Gun now? Or Immigrant Song? Yeah. Anyway,
1: also, last note about this record, at least for me, is that this is the first appearance of the iconic, but not very much used, Thin Lizzy logo. It seems weird to say that. It's only on this record and the next record and on every Thin Lizzy shirt and on their their light-up background they always have like an illuminated thin Lizzy logo mm-hmm. behind them but the logo itself because they had so many interesting graphic frank frazetta album covers they didn't really have their logo font plastered on everything so the thin lizzie logo as you know it with the interlocking thin lizzie is only on this record and the next one the artist who you may not know is Jim Fitzpatrick, an Irish artist, most well-known for the iconic Che Guevara prints and posters you have seen on shirts and everything your whole life, because he did a portrait of Che Guevara when he visited Ireland, and that image is the iconic Che Guevara image. He also did an album cover for Dark Throne, The Darkness, and I think a bunch of other things.
0: Hi, FBI, we do not, Stan in Che Guevara, just so you know. I mean, I kind of do, but I understand that I that's too, upsetting sure. to people. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to throw... Oh, look, I'm trying to throw them off. And right. you're like, oh
1: yeah, I love that guy. Stop it. Yeah. Left of Jesus.
0: That's me. Anyway. Thank
1: so you. Anyway. Yeah, good record. On the way to something great, this is the build-up. This is why I wanted to kind of start back a few and not just jump into the one everybody knows but I feel like this is a really good really good view of who they were as a band right as they're breaking into something big. Um, and again, these two records do have essential songs. I think they would be, if you really start loving this band, this is a good record to own. Um, is it as essential as some of the other things that are coming later? It's not, but it's, it's
0: uh, almost there. They're getting there. It is uh, 75, 80% there. Yeah. And the, all of the, it's like when I tell a joke and it doesn't quite work. My buddy says to me, all the pieces are there. You just don't have them in the right order. And that's where this record is. It is all of the pieces are there. All of the ideas are there. They take the King's vengeance and on their next record and make Emerald. They take half of these songs and make The Boys Are Back in Town and we're like I said it's really close to exploding into multinational stardom good stuff uh, very good record not their best it is definitely if you've never heard if you've only heard Jailbreak, Boys Are Back in Town and Emerald this is something to check out and do not check out the Ace Fraley cover of Emerald.
1: I'll mention that next week, too. Or, or, except the only good cover of Emerald I have ever heard is
0: Mastodon. The only and, Mastodon and, song that's any good is Cut You Up with a Linoleum Knife for the Octane Hunter Forest colon movie film for theaters soundtrack. Okay.
1: And on that note,
0: you. Nick, take us home. Uh, definitely. This this series so far has been very cool for me. This is a Keefy series, which is why I'm letting Keefy talk way more than me, which hurts my soul because I'm that egotistical. But I am really enjoying going through this and going through a band that I have only been a greatest hits fan of. And so far we are, it, it's a lot like the Iron Maiden series, which might be the only series like this, where we have been on a constant ascension. And frankly, I am excited to see where we go next week with Jailbreak. And I have nothing else this week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for viewing. If you have survived this long, thank you. I appreciate you. And I have a small amount of legitimate feeling for you. If you could please like, subscribe, review, Do all the crazy business, you know, that people do on the YouTubes and the Apples and the whatnots. But as it is, we are done. Thank you for listening. This is the Glacially Musical Podcast. It does not play in Peoria.